Are You Just Watching is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Tim Martin, Craig Hardy, and Richard French for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching, please go to patreon.com slash are you just watching. Are you just watching episode 58, Commercials? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And yes, we're talking about commercials. <laughs> and, <laughs> and no, we're not hard up for content. We have plenty on the list. But we've got it's too just, much still. We got, yeah, it just seemed like an interesting topic because everybody watches commercials. I mean, even if you don't watch commercials on TV, you see them at the beginning of every YouTube video nowadays. When uh, when you had suggested it, I had never thought of it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that is something that is designed to make you remember it. That's mm-hmm. perfect. Right. I'm, right. I'm very in, excited in, about covering this topic yeah it's designed to influence the way you think about things Mm -hmm. not just remember but how you think about things um it pulls on heartstrings yeah it's supposed to um you know alter your thinking yeah exactly i when we started uh when we decided on this topic and i started doing the research one of the first things i came across was a interesting definition of advertising and mm-hmm. it is advertising is a specific communication strategy designed to shape consumer action towards or opinions about particular products or services. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> for us, this expands well into the uh, the moral and uh, societal uh, spheres of influence as well, mm-hmm. because we're right. we're seeing a lot of that in commercials because. It, you know, for people who say, for instance, let's say um, uh, same-sex marriage, for people mm-hmm. who are in support of it, they'll remember a commercial that has a same-sex couple uh, mm-hmm. simply because it supports their views and it's so unusual a thing. And for yeah. people who oppose it, exactly the opposite. <laughs> Right, right. They, they, you can actually drive people away from your product depending on which which audience you speak to with certain things you do. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because advertising has really been, uh, it kind of is a hallmark of what our culture is. If you, you can actually study our culture um, and the way that it has evolved mm-hmm. um, through the years, just based on our advertising, you can go back and look at advertisements from the eighties and they will say something completely different about our culture. Our advertising today says yeah, it really is a weather vane, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I did a um, – when I was in college, I had a speech class, and we got to choose our own topics for um, one of – I can't even remember what type of speech it was. Um, but I, I decided to do it on the history of TV advertising, and I went all the way back to the very beginning of motion picture and how hmm. and how the very first commercials were done – and and traced them just kind of hopped decades up until the 90s, which is when I was in college. It was very fascinating to find how people 
and advertisers have adapted to the medium because when they originally did it, they had been on there had been advertising on radio for a very long time before there was TV. And what they did was they just basically did radio advertisements with a person standing in front of a table talking to a microphone because they had no <laughs> clue how to do anything else. And then they went into the how-to commercials where they would have like a woman show you how to use their uh, their product to how in baking a cake or something like that. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah, it was very fascinating to see how it evolved. And now it's very much a weather vein of, like you said, a weather vein of how our society is because you can – what how we picture families, uh, you know, the societal uh, stereotype mm-hmm. of what a family looks like. You're going to see tons of those in – in commercials and or the the mom how is a mom portrayed and in like the 60s and 70s a mom would have been portrayed as the stay-at-home housewife exactly and and now she's the busy on the go drop off the kids to soccer practice on the way to work kind of person right and maybe just maybe they'll make the dad the stay-at-home but Mm -hmm. usually and because they know their audience they they focus on the whole demographics of of their audience. Um, they'll show a family in the same situation that the majority of their audience is. Right. And I, I would suspect in most cases that's going to be dual working fa- uh, dual working spouses. Right. In our society today, that's about the only way you can make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, everybody has to work. Yeah. Um, so advertising is something that's obviously been around for a long time like you like you said mm-hmm. and i was thinking about when they first started doing advertising in the commercials mm-hmm. and uh there's this great clip from uh the lucille ball show <laughs> uh, about vitamita veg uh vitamita veg vitamita vegemin her stuff was always so funny yeah um but uh they actually would put real products in the shows back then. And I mm-hmm. would say this is maybe the late 40s, early 50s, oh, post-World War II. Product endorsement still happens even today. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, we In my house, we actually have a uh, a game. You know, the first person to yell out product endorsement or product <laughs> placement when, when we see a logo or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's always Cisco or HP because... I see the computer stuff, yeah. Uh, but Coke is a big one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Starbucks. Think, what else? Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah. got to have that Starbucks cup in their hand. So advertising actually uh, has a a whole field of study, mm-hmm. and we clearly can't get to it all in a single podcast. But what we are looking at here is we're looking at how advertising ties into uh, social mores mm-hmm. and how we should be reacting to it as uh, Christian viewers. So we should be thinking critically about it. Right. <clears throat> and for the most part, this is going to uh, this is going to come back to uh, to ads that center around controversy. So let's let's talk about. What controversy is, uh, mm-hmm. because it's going to be different things for different people. Right. Um, the Christian viewer is going to have a different idea of what makes something controversial than 
the Wiccan viewer or um, perhaps the Democrat versus the Republican. <laughs> oh, you went there. <laughs> <clears throat> I neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> Everybody. Yes, we are conservative. It would it would be a no brainer. Shocker. The, yeah, with the type of uh, subject matter of our podcast. If you haven't we've figured out, we're that, like <laughs> we we we've mentioned that front runner of the uh, of the Republican ticket before, haven't we? What's his name? I don't know whether we've mentioned it or Cruz. not. Cruz. Oh <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not, not Cruz. No, sorry. We only wish. <laughs> 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 now we could have some some of the the Trump Trump stumpers mad at us. <laughs> yep. Um, That's all right. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> so controversy. Yes. Uh, Doesn't always have to be you... political. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Or even moral for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I know that we have, in preparation for the episode, talked about a number of commercials. Mm-hmm. But uh, putting those aside for a minute, what would you think when you're watching a commercial would jump out as being controversial to you? Probably the, the, the sexual stuff. And when I say sexual, um, you might immediately think I'm thinking about gay marriage, but I'm thinking about how promiscuous our culture has gotten and that mm. we feel like um, that. I mean, just I, I put on that I wanted to talk about prescription drugs. The ones that bother me the most are the ones talking about erectile dysfunction. It's like, do I really want to watch a commercial about a guy with erectile dysfunction when I'm watching TV? And <laughs> and that kind of, I mean, the kind of just openness we have about talking about certain things on television that I wouldn't even discuss in polite company or in yeah. polite company for that matter. <laughs> you mean like when you're talking to me? <laughs> in polite company? Well, anyone for that matter. <laughs> now, speak, speaking as an uh, an older man, not an elderly man, but an older man, mm-hmm. the erectile def- dysfunction ones don't bother me so much. I don't consider them... I guess controversial may not be the word for me. It may be more inappropriate. Inappropriate? Just... Yeah, that's a that's a good way. I mean, it... it's it's something that you should talk to your doctor about. Yeah, something that doesn't need to be thrown out in general to the general population. I mean, it's the same thing when they when they talk about women's periods, you know, and selling, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. I'm sure that can yeast make men infections. uncomfortable or used to. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the kinds of things that they advertise for that to me is just not the kind of thing. It, it's just inappropriate for a general audience. And, you know, I think that we would find uh, that many cultures on as a whole mm-hmm. um, and probably subcultures within the United States, maybe even among our listeners, mm-hmm. would think that we're being prudish. <laughs> and it, it may very well be the case. Yeah. Um, but I think in all the cases that we've mentioned just in this short portion, uh, it all comes back to how – the pharmaceutical industry is now so profit driven right and without uh advertising their drugs for these very real problems mind you right um people aren't going to know to ask their doctors about it right and uh, you know but i 40 usually... years ago men <laughs> didn't know, men didn't talk to their doctors about erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. because they were the only ones who had it Right. They were convinced that everybody you know, else it, got it on. 
<laughs> yep, exactly. Because that's how the talk went. Right. Well, I think that um, it's it's interesting that we went to that I brought us to the prescription drug stuff first because it's always ask your doctor about at the end, and I don't go to the doctor to ask him about prescription medicine. If I'm mm-hmm. sick or if I have a problem, I expect the doctor to tell me what he wants me to take. I don't ask. I don't come in with a long list of, well, you know, it said on the TV on TV that I should ask you about this and I'm having depression. So I think I'm going to ask you about this and I, you know, and all, and I can't sleep. So let me ask you about this. I don't go in mm-hmm. with a list of that. I go in with the complaint and let the doctor suggest what I should take. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I suspect that there are so many uh, drugs out there, Mm -hmm. so many options available that uh, asking about a particular drug is uh, – I think it is a good way to to bring the discussion up with your doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you know, I expect – my doctor to turn around and say, oh, well, the active ingredient in that is X. <laughs> right. So let's go to this generic product, which your insurance will cover. Right. Because <laughs> it's all based on what your insurance will cover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the the other interesting thing about the drug culture is we we have so many of these self-diagnosing going on where people Mm -hmm. they watch they watch a commercial and they go oh that sounds like me because they hear this list of symptoms and then they go online and they and they hit webmd you know or some (laughs) other other medical website and look up their thing and and they start i mean really i think about half the people that are on prescription medicine don't really have a problem that they need to take a drug for they just think they do because it's been suggested to them over and over again in a commercial that hey you may be you know a depressive you may need to be you know taking this and you may need to be taking that and they and they're prone to suggestion and so they start thinking well maybe i do need that drug you know yeah and and i always think back do you remember were you a star trek fan did you watch uh i think it was star trek the next generation oh Um, you might say that (laughs) they had um when they first showed up q and he first started coming in and visiting them um, I remember um, there was an episode he did where he talked about an era in the human past uh, where it was all drug culture and everybody mm. was like on drugs. And I can't remember what decade he referred to that as being, but I think we're getting really close to it because if you <laughs> walk up to somebody on the street and ask them if they're on any prescription medications, I would say nine times out of 10, they're at le- on at least one, you know? Uh, Nine times out of ten seems like it might even be low. Yeah. So uh, maybe ten or eleven times out of ten. <laughs> but I I really feel like that's a product of advertising because bringing it back to what we're talking about, we, we're put that's in front of us all the time. You know, this list mm-hmm. of symptoms that you might have, and so you start thinking, well, maybe that applies to me. And it, well, it it ties back to the demographics. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're marketing to where they think that their product will sell the best. And unfortunately for p- prescription drugs, that includes <laughs> hypochondriacs. <laughs> Lots of hypochondriacs. And it's why you really need to trust your doctor, uh, so that your doctor doesn't just let you prescribe medic prescribe you medication rather mm-hmm. uh, that you really don't need. Right. 
And unfortunately, not all doctors are that honorable. <laughs> well, they're in it for the money, too. And a lot of times the, the drug companies go directly to the doctors and they can give them samples and they can give the samples to you. And if the sample mm-hmm. makes you feel better, then you want it permanently and you start taking it. And it leads into a issue where and this is this is where I I, I kind of wanted to bring up prescription drugs because especially um, the mood altering ones, mainly mm-hmm. because while I will admit, and and I'm not saying this isn't the case, that there are issues where there are people who need to be on a drug because their their mental problems are because of a chemical imbalance that can be right. rectified. There is a lot of instances where we're becoming dependent in a culture in on mood altering drugs to make us feel better when really what we need in our life is God. Hmm. The we we fill our the that God shaped hole in our soul with all kinds of things and drugs is just one of them but it's a big one in our culture right now when well God would the, fill it better <laughs> that that is certainly the case mm-hmm. uh, but I do want to say speaking as somebody who suffers from brain chemistry depression mm-hmm. um, that well, it is not always the case and we should depend on. Our medical professionals to, to tell us, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and to, you notice that I said that, that. that before yeah. I even started that I I do. It's not that I'm saying that those problems don't exist and they don't need medication. I'm firmly and believe that they do, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think that uh, a lot of the instances um, where the drug, especially the dependencies on drugs. Um, where if you come off the drug and you're a completely different person than when you're on the drug, um, you might need to start considering adding God to that mixture because I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or any of that. I'm just saying that I know from a fact that my father who, who has suffered from PTSD ever since Vietnam, um, Mm -hmm. when he finally was, um, diagnosed with it only in the last few years the doctor was amazed at how stable he was through all of those years of untreated ptsd and he said that the doctor actually told my dad that of all of the men that he's ever diagnosed and worked with with ptsd the ones who were christians were usually the most stable and the most uh able to uh function the most functional and and he said the only thing that he could ever contribute that to was that personal relationship with Christ that and the presence of the Holy Spirit holding them together through um, what most people fall apart during. And uh, well, we we we've got to remember that things like PTSD and depression are products of the fall. Mm-hmm. They're they're products of sin being infecting everything in creation. Right. And it, it just like <laughs> just like cancer. Mm-hmm. And violence and right. uh, sexual perversion. I mean, it, it's all stuff that has to be addressed, not only on the uh, civil level, but on the spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And the best way to address it on the spiritual level is <laughs> to let the Holy Spirit fill the right. void in your heart. Right. right. But I do want to stress that that is not the... <laughs> only thing or rather it <laughs> you don't assume that's the only thing you need right um because it you know god has given us our brains for a reason right 
and he's given us holy curiosity and understanding how the human body works. Right. So <clears throat> it, it's a it, God can do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. But I think it's safe to say, listen to your doctor. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you can find a good Christian doctor, which they're not always easy to find. But um, I I recommend, especially for um, when you need counseling and stuff, to find a good yeah. Christian counselor. Because yeah, the, there's, the secular it, ones will, will draw you into things that are not necessarily godly and sometimes pull you away from your relationship with Christ. You should try Buddhist meditation. <laughs> um, there well, is in this area. There's this. There is a very large uh, collection of uh, of psychotherapists uh, called Christian Psychotherapy Services, mm-hmm. of which one of my friends is a uh, is a therapist. They have. Um, I think he said that they have uh, like a hundred and twenty psychotherapists in the Norfolk, Virginia Beach region. Wow. And their appointments, if you were to make an appointment today, you wouldn't be able to get in into uh, in uh, almost till May now. Mm. Very so, popular. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people know. Uh, and I, I don't know that there are uh, pre-Christians or non-Christians who are going to them, but I think people know that, uh, you know, the light of life is uh, a stabilizing influence. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what other things did we, we, <laughs> back we were to talking? My notes. Yeah, back to your notes. So we we that was really more not so much about controversy because I think everybody likes to sit around and mock. Yeah. About prescription drug, especially when they start listing all the side effects. Um, they're, they're hilarious sometimes. And some of the ones, <laughs> when I was looking, trying to find a sample that we could put in the show notes, uh, I was amazed at how many of them were, that's really, you know, they would say, ask your doctor about this. And then the rest of the commercial is side effects. <laughs> some yeah. of them are pretty scary. I, um, I saw one the other day where, uh, I wish I could remember what the product was, but it was advertising for this specific product. Let's call it, uh, uh, lib. <laughs> and then one of the side effects or one of the legal disclaimers were if you're allergic if you are allergic to Benolib, don't take Benolib. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but it's interesting that a lot of people get shocked by that. And I and what one of my things that I come back with them is says, you know, why would you ever take a prescription drug when they have all these side effects? And I'm like, well, just take this into account. They are legally required to list all the side effects, side effects when they advertise yeah. a drug. They aren't when they advertise an over-the-counter drug. Look at the mm-hmm. packaging on an over-the-counter drug, and they have just as many <laughs> legal site, you know, on their packaging, they have to list them all, and they don't have to do it in the commercial. Yeah. So, um, next time you're you're th- thinking about taking something over the counter, look at the packaging. You'd be surprised. I do. I wonder what the what the criteria for the side effects are. I mean, is it just whatever showed up during their human trials? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, if 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 one guy happens to catch the mumps <laughs> while he's on the product, they have to say may cause lumps in their ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, controversy. Right. Controversy in regard to uh, advertising, uh, same-sex relationships, and non-standard mm-hmm. families. Right, and there are two different commercials that come to mind. Uh, actually, three different commercials that come to mind for me. <laughs> um, 
the first one is one of the ones that I was like, yay, I'm glad they did it because I have always uh, felt that that uh, mixed race families are underrepresented. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of funny because, you know, now they will be um, there'll be something that uh, will be focused on in programs and in discussion when you're thinking about. Uh, um, the 1960s or before. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, there's a show on television called The Legends of Tomorrow, which is uh, based in the the DC comic universe. Mm-hmm. I watch it. And <clears throat> they did some time uh, uh, in a recent episode back in the 50s, and uh, <laughs> there was a They're- mixed race uh, team that acted husband and wife. Oh, yeah. I thought that was such an interesting episode. Yeah. And, you know, they they did it. It it wasn't for shock value, but to demonstrate how things uh, have changed. Exactly. And actually, when they at the beginning of the episode or near the beginning of the episode, when they teamed them up, I was like, I wonder if they're going to ignore the race question. And, and I'm glad they didn't. And you know what was so really weird about that to me is that I don't even see her as being. Uh, uh, racial uh, she doesn't yeah. look black to me and so when they when they started it I, I didn't even dawn on me until they you know those person rang the bell and commented uh you know and I was just like what's wrong and then it took me like several minutes to even figure out that they were saying that she was African-American married to a white guy and I didn't mm-hmm. I mean she doesn't even look black to me so I didn't I just wouldn't hadn't even gone there until they went there the one that yeah. got me with the most was the 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 black kid that they have um Jefferson um yeah and, and his relationship with, with the, oh yeah with the, the high girl. school girl mm-hmm. yeah and which I think would have been frowned upon even more than the episode uh allowed for it to be mm-hmm Right. I mean, he probably would have been lynched. I mean, there was just no way he would have gotten um, yeah, there's, anywhere Yeah, there's with a that. scene where he's sitting next to her at a diner counter. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, the episode was set in a time before... They were allowed to sit together yeah. <laughs> in public, yeah. But anyway, uh, the reason I bring that up is because one of the commercials uh, that I uh, really thought was very well done mm-hmm. was one that depicted a mixed race family and did not make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually a big deal until after the commercial aired. And uh, I didn't even pe- know it was a big deal when you listed this one as a controversial commercial. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, I remember seeing that on TV. I don't remember thinking anything of it. So, yep. <laughs> and it, there was there was actually an uproar about it because there are people out there who still feel that it's inappropriate or something. Well, obviously, since we're an auditory media here um, where you're listening to us, we're not going to actually oh. play these commercials. But yeah. the one we're referring to is the Cheerios commercial where the, um, the little girl was talking to her mother and – um, and she she's talking about heart health and how Cheerios helps the heart. And then you see Flash. She says something about going to her daddy. And the next thing you see is the daddy waking up on the couch covered in Cheerios. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and the father is African-American. And mm-hmm. I just never even connected it. Whenever I saw the commercial, yeah. it, I didn't even notice, to be honest. <laughs> and when I when I had heard when this commercial first came out and I heard about people – uh, you know, in an upcry about it, 
I was like, what are, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> and I was convinced it was a minority. Mm. Now I'm not quite so sure. Huh. It's it's um, interesting that that would still be an issue anywhere, but I do know that there are some churches that still have issues with that because they won't even let somebody speak at the church who might be married to somebody of another race, which is to me completely ridiculous. That's it's ridiculous. not it's not oh, biblical. Man. And any any church who holds to that stand and and if we're talking to Christians here who are listening to this podcast who somehow have this idea their church has told them that there's something wrong um with interracial marriage, it's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible to support that. And so you need to check your Bible and possibly switch churches because you are not, you are going into heresy when you go into something like that. I would happily provide plenty of scriptural evidence to uh, completely blow away any argument that uh, any element of racism has scriptural backing. Right. I mean, it's just. (laughs) <laughs> I find it I, – I, I am still ashamed of people who were Christians in the in the 40s and 50s and before mm-hmm. who even mindlessly followed suggestions that, uh, that they were obeying God's commands by uh, supporting this abhorrent activity. Right, right. But – coming back to commercials uh the way that some people may view that mixed race family is the way that i view same-sex families that are popping up in commercials now and uh there is a recent i want to say it's a car commercial that is one of those short you know 30 second vignettes about uh a family adopting a little girl and buying a new car and going to a family reunion. And the, uh, the whole, everything is textbook commercial, except the couple adopting the girl is two men. Mm. And for me that stood out at, but they didn't make a deal. They didn't make a big deal about it. Right. Well, it's and not supposed to be. Now that I'm be. talking about it, I wish I had checked to see if there were there was a similar reaction from uh, conservatives as there had been, uh, you know, on the on the mixed race family one. Mm-hmm. If there had been a similar outcry, but I suspect there probably oh, I'm sure there wasn't. Well, it, it you know the the funny thing is is that people are afraid to speak out against it because we've become so. Um, careful with our speech We're, we don't live in a culture where free we have free speech anymore there are consequences yeah. to speaking out and i think a lot of people simply want to avoid the consequences and well to be fair though the consequences that we see are from other people right and that is that's not an issue of free speech free speech is whether or not the government can censor your well, speech. Well, it's getting to be that way, though. I mean, they're they're. Uh, that's exactly true. It's uh, it, it, the more commonplace something becomes, the more likely it is to be legislated mm-hmm. that way. Such as uh, the uh, recent bills in North Carolina and Georgia. Mm-hmm. 
but going into controversy, there there is another interesting social moray that has come up fairly recently. Um, it became a Twitter war right after the Super Bowl. You know which one I'm talking about? No. No, of course not. Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I loved that I know, commercial. and see... I thought it was hilarious. It was hilarious. They were making a cute point. I don't even think that Doritos thought that it was going to be a controversial commercial. They were just having fun, and yep. they uh, that was one of the that was one of the um, the viewer submission commercials, right? It was the last. This was the last year of it where it was made by fans and submitted. I don't know about that, but I do know that it was a fun, fun commercial that I don't think that Doritos was anticipating it to be controversial. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I it, it, and obviously listeners, all of these commercials that were will be in the show will be in the yes. show notes. <laughs> Please it, it, jump over to are you just watching dot com. And uh, if there's a YouTube link out there or a uh, a link to the brand site. We will definitely put it on there. Right. You know, we can describe what they are, but I we I just kind of made the decision not to play them in the podcast because, um, for one thing, most of these are very visual, and it's just really hard to yeah. get the point across by playing them in, in a podcast. But we hope that you will definitely go and watch the, the commercials that we're talking about, if you haven't already seen them, because I would assume that um, that there's a situation where we're discussing some pretty popular um, and controversial commercials. You've probably already seen them and know what we're talking about. Um, but the Doritos one we're talking about is with the fetus craving a chip. Um, it was the, uh, yeah. they were doing an ultrasound and, and the father's eating Doritos during the ultrasound, <laughs> which I think is hilarious anyway, because I, I just don't see that happening, but I suppose. Very, t- very typical meal. <laughs> um, and the, and the, he, the mother takes the the chip and throws it across the room and the baby's been reaching for it and goes a kind of an immediate ejection <laughs> um, to go after the chip, which is hilarious. Um, it was funny. It was sort of like a funny version of the alien scene where the guy, where the baby pops, or the alien pops out of the chip. Yeah. But this was a, a emergency Emergency birth, birth which they don't actually show birth. that part, but it's hilarious. No. But what was so interesting what? about the controversy was the ultrasound image was based on the actual ultrasound of the producer of the commercials, Baby. Mm. And so it was a real ultrasound that they animated. And so right. it, this was we're talking about a real ultrasound. This is what the baby really looked like. And the pro-abortion crowd, I'm not going to call them pro-choice because in this instance, they are definitely pro-abortion. Yeah. Um they were very upset that somebody showed a unborn child as looking like a baby. How dare they humanize unborn children? Yes. And that and that be started a Twitter roar, war that I don't think Doritos was even but, you know, hey, it's advertising. All advertising is good yeah. for the most part. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, no such thing as bad advertising. <laughs> I remember when I heard about this. Uh, when I heard about this controversy, I had to stop and think, "What in the world could be wrong with this commercial?" It was hilarious, <laughs> and uh, I, I enjoyed the commercial when I saw. It. I thought it was adorable, and I think that there, 
they've really hurt themselves. The pro-abortion crowd has really hurt themselves by coming out so blatantly against this commercial because basically they're taking a known fact that a uh, pre-born child is a baby. Yes, it is a baby. And if you're trying to convince mm. somebody that a child at that stage in its development it doesn't look like a baby then you're in big trouble because you do not have science on your side at all yeah it's just the idea that uh it's It's ridiculous ridiculous. that and that is one of those instances where we you know the conservative audience can kind of applaud a lot of commercials lately are kind of coming against us and making us look bad but this is one instance where i think the abortion crowd came out with mud all over their faces because this was this was an instance where it was just a good fun commercial that was not intended to be controversial and they made controversy where there none really existed yeah and I uh, just because I I want to make sure that we're not lumping everybody together. Only certain people, mm-hmm. you know, made this into a big controversy. We're we're not saying that everybody out there who happens to be pro-abortion and as misguided as they may be <laughs> um, was making a big deal about it. But you know, it only takes uh, a small group of very loud mm-hmm. people to uh to make something a big deal right. it, there was a commercial that you had mentioned specifically and when i was going through our notes uh i looked at it and i was like why is this one in here and you pointed out something about it that never occurred to me <laughs> and now i can't even unthink it <laughs> you're talking about the so rocket that, mortgage one aren't you exactly i am <laughs> I I watched that commercial like two or three times <laughs> looking for something in there that, that jumped out at me is this is not good. And that really highlights exactly why critical thinking so important. is so important right. when it comes to looking at these commercials. Right. Um, it, why don't you explain what it was that uh, that I missed <laughs> the first 17 times watching this commercial. Well, Rocket Mortgage tried to take mortgage into the idea of how you save our economy and create more jobs. It's something that's in everybody's mind these days. I mean, it's a political stance that, you know, that's going on. And as the candidates are running for president, they're all talking about how do I how do we create more jobs? Well, Rocket Mortgage has taken this particular, and it was actually a Super Bowl ad too. And when I saw it, it wasn't in relation to the Super Bowl, but it really caught my eye. Um, it was how if you get a mortgage, in a quick, easy mortgage through Rocket Mortgage, then you're going to buy a house. And when you buy a house, you're going to need household stuff. And so you're going to go and you're going to buy household stuff that had to be made by somebody. So somebody's going to make that and that's going to be sold. So it's going to create jobs. And so just by getting a mortgage, you're creating jobs and saving the economy. And it seems like a wonderful notion. And I think that um, most people who look at that commercial are going to be happy. You know, hey, they created jobs. They bought a house. It's great. We've created more homeowners in our culture. And I think that that's where our housing crash, first of all, it's where our housing crash came from, which has absolutely destroyed our economy, was a lot of bad mortgages because people got convinced to buy a house they couldn't afford. Definitely a contributing factor. 
Right. Uh, a lot of people uh, purchased homes they couldn't afford, and uh, it created a, a wave of of depression in our economy that is we're still suffering under. And I'm not saying it's the number one factor, but it's definitely contributed. And here we yeah. are with an advertisement that's promoting more of the same people buying houses they can't afford because the whole point of getting a mortgage is because you can't afford the house. Right. And that actually ties uh, ties back. I, I wish I had grabbed some of the scripture on this in preparation for the recording, but uh, I, I will uh, get some of it and make sure it gets into the show notes. <clears throat> and this is uh, particularly uh, difficult for me because I have debt. And I, you know, we're talking about buying a house next year. Uh, and we'll take we will almost certainly take out a, a mortgage for right. it, but we shouldn't because you know um, if we can if we can pay off the mortgage then we can save up the money right and that's very difficult to admit that's very difficult it, not only is it difficult to admit but it's ten times more difficult to do right. Right. Because, you know, money burns a particularly quick hole in my pockets. <laughs> it's an interesting economic viewpoint that when you watch a commercial like that, nobody sees a problem with it because that's just the way our economy works. People can't afford houses, yep. so they get a mortgage to pay for a house. But there is a whole standard of living that is been kind of it's kind of a niche thing that's kind of growing about not acquiring more debt than you can afford you know especially more debt than you have coming in and it's a mentality that needs to take over our country because until we start living within our means as a culture we're never going to conquer mm -hmm. the kind of debt that our government is racking up and it has to start yeah. culturally we have to stop thinking that debt is the way that we create jobs and that was the whole underlying notion of this rocket mortgage commercial was that debt creates jobs. It doesn't. It's, it's a house of cards that it, when you pull one card out, the whole thing crumbles and it can completely yeah. destroy our economy. And that whole notion that borrowing money is going to make things better is probably one of the number one things that is going to destroy America. Uh, an excellent source for uh, Christian-oriented Financial advice is uh, – I'm sure you've heard of him, Dave mm -hmm. Ramsey. Yep. And uh, I'll throw a link in the show notes. Um, but he does a – he offers a class through many churches. Mm -hmm. My church just did one which, this uh, winter. My, uh, my brother and, and sister-in-law up in Maine have gone mm -hmm. through it. And uh, it's, I'm almost certain that they are completely debt-free from – following the principles uh prescribed in this mm -hmm. class and it's and it's um, so freeing what people don't realize is that when you live paycheck paycheck to paycheck money becomes your greatest anxiety and when yeah. you learn how to budget and properly manage your income and how you spend it uh it actually frees you that anxiety goes away you learn so quickly the peace that can utterly fill your life when you're not worried so much about your finances and i highly mm -hmm. recommend you either do dave ramsey's or you look up one of the others there's actually quite a few but dave ramsey's is the one who's everybody recognizes the name of and yeah. um i i'm a, personally while i do have some debt um i was raised 
uh, I actually started out my life on a budget because my mom was working for Larry Burkett, who was another uh, Christian budget coach. Um, and at the time that I started getting off on my own and becoming independent and she got me started budgeting from day one and it has been so amazing. And granted I couldn't afford to buy my house without getting a mortgage, but I got a house that I could afford and mortgage payments that fit well within my income level. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's, there's situations where it becomes necessary, but you have to manage your debt. You always have to, when you step into debt, understand how am I going to pay this off? And have a plan before you ever start. Most people accept debt without a plan on how they're going to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And that's where they start off wrong. Yeah. So, And there's a lot of scripture that comes to this. And uh, like Dave Ramsey's mm-hmm. financial piece. Right. And um, really, it really does focus on that. And I, I appreciate that a, a great deal. <laughs> Um, there's one, we're running a little long on time. There was one other thing that I wanted to mention and, uh, I, I want to say that it's fairly new, like maybe only 20 or 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And that's this, uh, this trend in shock advertising <laughs> or shock advertising. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one particular group, uh, comes to mind for me because I live in the Hampton Roads area and this particular group is, uh, is a not-for-profit organization based out of Norfolk called uh, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Oh, yes, PETA. Yes. Now, uh, just to caveat it, there are many great people who work for and who support PETA, and PETA does some very good things. However... uh, PETA has placed their uh, their mission on a in a point of idolatry, uh, a literal point of idolatry where it is more important than anything else. Right. And one of the founders of PETA, Ingrid Newkirk, uh, has gone on record saying that we are complete press sluts. Mm-hmm. Meaning that they will do anything in the press to get their message out. And a huge portion of that is through shock advertising. Um, and there's a number of ads that uh, we'll, we'll have links to if you want to go to them. <laughs> but where they they compare the farming industry to Nazis mm-hmm. uh, and the animals to Jews. Right. That we're enslaving uh, animals like we like right. we have done our fellow man. Yeah. And they they show, uh, you know, one thing in in cooking is, uh, you know, there's that iconic uh, picture of a cow that has the dotted line showing all the different cuts. Mm-hmm. And they had one advertising where they had a picture of a, you know, a boxum woman uh, with all the dotted lines showing the different cuts. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they used nudity. They used sex. Um, they the fur trade is one thing that they target frequently. Uh, there was this whole ad campaign um, where they would have completely nude models, and this was often live uh, live advertising where they would say, "I'd rather." wear nothing than fur Mm. and this is uh 
apparently very successful for getting their name out there, but I don't think uh, I I think it stretches the credulity of the idea that there is no such thing as bad advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, advertising can go a lot of different ways, and I think that the shock advertising is definitely hitting a certain uh, demographic. Um, there there mm-hmm. are um, people who are horrified by unethical treatment of animals. And I, and I would say that the vast majority of anybody with empathic feeling can put themselves into a situation that is pretty bad sure. and, and, Absolutely. and empathize with it. And I love animals and I can empathize with the, with the unethical treatment of animals and, and can be horrified by it. But PETA a lot of times takes it too far where even even though they're trying to communicate with the average American who has some em- empathy for how animals are treated, um, they take it so much further that they horrify us with how far they took it. Not necessarily horrified with the treatment of the animals, but how far PETA took it. And and right. so, yeah, it reacts, it, it, it causes negative reactions against PETA. And obviously they make money, still be in existence if they don't. But I think there are a lot yeah. of um, I. For one thing, I actually like the American Humane Society and the way they treat with um, the topics of how animals are treated. I think Absolutely. there's a right way and a wrong way to yeah. do it. Um, like uh, your comment that PETA is idolaters, um, they definitely are. They've put animals on a pedestal, and they they've gone too far in in how they have idolized animals and the treatment of animals, and they're. And yep. I believe that we should treat animals as humanely as possible because they are fellow creations of God and God has given us dominion over the earth to take care of it. We've dealt with this in other podcasts where we were talking about um, interstellar and I think we talked about it in after earth as well. I, I think we've dealt with it a couple of times, mm-hmm. but it's, it's one of those situations where it has to be put on a correct level of priority and PETA takes it yeah. way too far. <laughs> I will agree with you on that. <clears throat> it's all the it's all the pendulum swinging the wrong swinging too far right. in one direction. Uh, we need we need to stay centered right. on what's important, and that's uh, uh, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in our lives and uh, emulating. And Christ. this is just a challenge. I know that a lot of you listeners who are used to hearing us talk about movies are probably trying to figure out why on earth we did an entire episode on commercials, but it's something that we are constantly assaulted by. I, and I, I use the word assaulted because advertising really is a, an assault. It comes at us unasked for, we don't put ourselves out to do it, to watch it. It's there. And it's, and it's not just TV. It's a lot of it is now on, on the internet. You can't get around pretty much any video media on the internet without seeing an advertisement and sometimes even just going to websites um, they pop up at you and play whether you want to see them or not and so we have to always have our critical thinking caps on even when we're being assaulted by advertising because they are trying to influence the way you think about things and it's always wise to have your eyes open to how you're being influenced whether it's unwanted or not yeah and, you know, it's just by the fact that they are targeting what they believe or what they consider to be uh, the majority opinion of their demographic uh, of their target. Yeah, their target mm-hmm. demographic. Um, 
it embeds the idea that if you disagree with the content of the commercial, then you are in the minority and right. wrong. Um, and it, early in this early in this podcast, we mentioned the idea that uh, that advertising is a mm-hmm. weather vane, and it always right. has been. And we we need to make sure that we don't let that that uh, prevalence of amoral situations or unscriptural situations in advertising. We have to make sure that doesn't affect how we live our lives and how we emulate Christ. Your comment about weather veins, again, kind of brought up a verse that I think really is apropos in, in this discussion is that we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cutting with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. That is like the perfect verse to talk about advertising. Yeah, no Because kidding. it's talking about how we have to be firm enough in what we know and what we believe that we don't let other people influence us and drive us away from the truth through deceit. Because a lot of advertising is deceptive. A ton of it is deceptive. Yeah. It, it tries to instill in us sometimes that stuff that we don't want instilled. Like it wants us to be outraged or uh, active against godly things. Um, right. Right. And and so that was the whole reason why we decided to do this com- this commercial. <laughs> Instead of a <laughs> instead of an episode, we did a, a long commercial. But really, it we should do a commercial <laughs> for this episode. Adver- start advertising. But we hope that that this has been helpful to you guys as our listeners to hear are just talking about commercials. But we really would love to hear the things that you like and dislike about advertising. And feel free to join us on Facebook. Uh, Tim has actually already posted um, something kind of teasing about this episode uh, regarding commercials. <laughs> yeah. And it was a really cute commercial. But we would love to see, you know, you discuss what you've seen in advertising that offends or or what you would give a thumbs up to, what you thought was a good advertisement. As my brother used to say when I was growing up, uh, the only good commercial is a commercial where you actually remember the product at the end of the commercial. If it entertains yep. you and and that was great, but if it if you don't remember what the product was, then it was a really bad commercial. That's <laughs> what's that that famous one? Uh, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> Everybody remembers the commercial, but nobody remembers it was for oh, Alka Seltzer. Wow. No, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. Or the Where's the Beef commercial? Everybody knows that was Wendy's, so it was successful. Um, yep. But yeah. Just, you know, talk about what advertising has impacted you and and what you remember. We'd love to hear that. So do join us on Facebook. Look us up there. We do a lot of more posting on Facebook than we do anywhere else. So check us out there. Um, Comment Mm -hmm. on our show notes. The show notes for this episode are areyoujustwatching.com slash 58. You can uh, leave us a voicemail at 903-231-2221. And if it's feedback we can play in an episode, we'd really love to do a feedback episode, but we don't have any feedback to put yeah. in one right now. So we'd love to have that. You can also email us at feedback at com, and follow us on Twitter. I'm Twitter at E. Franklin. I'm Twitter at Ren Cheple, R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. 
And of course, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. We could definitely use some up-to-date reviews in iTunes just to let people know that we're still actively producing content because I think our reviews are dated like maybe four or five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, to Sharon Sharon Summer Sumner Sher- Shannon. <laughs> wow. I can't even say her name ten times fast. Uh, who who uh, responded to uh, one of our posts about Risen, and uh, I really appreciated her uh, engaging us like that. And I'm, uh, I I hope other people will. Uh, yeah, do the yeah, same. Yeah, we'd love input. We love to know that you folks are out there and listening. And uh, just even if you disagree with us, we want to know. Nice to start a discussion on disagreement, but that. That's sometimes where discussions come from. <laughs> well, yeah, and disagreement isn't it no, isn't a no. bad thing. We're only human, and uh, you know it's really interesting when we record these podcasts. A lot of times we're going most of the time we're going completely off the top of our heads, and we can say inaccurate things and and not be able to fix it afterwards. And so we relish the idea of people coming behind us and pointing out where we were wrong. So. Especially when we were talking about movies. But yeah, thank you for tuning in and and listening to us. And we do hope that uh, this will help you uh, be a little bit more or pay attention a little bit more to the advertising you get subjected to all the time. So, um, yeah, I'm E. Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.